Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, One Life Church. It's so good to see you this morning. How many of you are excited to be at church today? Can I hear a good amen from you in the room? Yes. Hey, well, you're in for a treat today. We're in part two of a series we're calling Holy Spirit, and we're going just a little bit deeper than where we started last Sunday. If you've ever wanted to know about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I know some of you are thinking, oh boy, what service did I show up to, right? We're going to talk about a lot of gifts today. Yes, and we're going to talk about tongues, everybody. So you're in for a treat. But before we jump into the message, I want to do something I do every Sunday. I want to look in the camera, and I want to welcome our online church family joining us. All those at the Civic Center, throw your hands together today and welcome our church family today. Come on, let them know how much you love them. So good to have you joining us. Love technology. There are many of you joining us from different parts of the country, and we hear from you every week. And I just want to say thank you so much. You are our family. Some of you even send us prayer requests. And I want you to know that our prayer team prays for you daily throughout the week. And uh, as your prayer needs are met, send us some emails. Let us know. Give us some praise reports on how God is moving in your life. All right, guys, before we continue into this series, got us some really exciting things I want to make you aware of. Everybody say small group. Groups. Small groups are not what we do. It is who we are. It is the DNA, the lifeblood. It is the culture of One Life Church. In fact, if we were only simply to break everything down and do one thing, it would be small groups. That's how important community is. And so we are launching our small groups next Sunday, but I want to let you know that today, go back to the other one, let everybody see it. Today, we got one more opportunity for you to experience small group leadership training. Some of you went last week, and so today we're making that available one more time. There were many of you who attended small groups this past semester, and through that, you're like, you know what? I'm, I really feel like I could do this, and you're right. You can do this. It's not difficult. We can teach you how to do what you're already doing and add just a little bit of love of Jesus alongside it and create a small group. And so you've got an opportunity to learn more about small groups. In fact, if you're in the room today and you would just really like to know more about small groups, maybe you don't feel like you're ready to take that next step to lead, and you're just like, I would like to just kind of take a little bit deeper dive, this class is designed for you. Some of you, you know, hey man, I've just been waiting on a sign from God to, to, you know, to see whether or not I'm ready to lead a small group. My friends, here is your sign. This is your sign, everybody. Leadership training happens today. In fact, we are launching small groups next week and we've already got our online directory live. What is an online directory? It's simply a place that you can go online. You can visit olc.church and on our homepage, you'll see a big button that says small groups. You can click it at take you to the online directory, or you can text OLC groups to 94,000 and get the same content right there to your phone. And you can see already, I think we may have six or seven groups already registered. I think we've got a few more that are getting ready to register. And if you've ever wanted a season where you could kind of put your toe in the water and see whether or not small groups are something you want to add as a benefit in your life, summer semester is the great time to do that. Why? Because it is a five-week semester. It is our shortest semester of the year, and that is important, and that is on, on uh, that is intentional, is what I'm trying to say. It's because many of us are traveling. We're on vacation. We're doing, you know, we're going out camping. We're enjoying the beauty that is Idaho for the three to six months that we have right here from spring, summer, and fall. And so I want to encourage you, go online, get in a group, get in a group where all my small group people at. Come on, can I hear a good amen from you this morning? 
And so one cool thing, and I do want to mention this, and you'll hear this over the next few weeks, is that the summer semester also gives us an opportunity to work towards something. And that is on the sixth week, the very last Saturday of our small groups, we all kind of collectively come together and do what we call serve day. Everybody say serve day. Serve Day is an opportunity for all the small groups to kind of just come up with a felt need on their own and to see how you could just go out and serve your community and be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's one of our favorite times of the year. If you want more information about Serve Day, you'll hear a lot about this in the Sundays to come. Text, uh, now you can't text anything on this one. You just got to go to the website, okay? OLC.church, click on the button that says Serve Day that looks just like that and get uh, ready to dive in to see all the opportunities that will be available uh, or different ideas, I should say, that are available to go out and just serve our community. Okay, you guys, we are a message note-taking church. I want to encourage you this morning, if there's ever a series where I want to get God's Word in your hands so you can not only hear me speak it, but see it in front of yourself, outside of just on a screen, it is last Sunday and this Sunday. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going deep. I had a guy tell me the other day, Pastor Red, I just want you to take it deep. All right, guys, we are past the deep end. We're going a little bit further today. As we talk about the Holy Spirit, you can text OLC Notes to 94,000 OLC notes to 94,000. Um, as many of you know, if you've been here for a while, I love to preach God's word. I am, I am just naturally an excited in, individual, uh, and, I, and I love to have a lot of fun, and that's just who I am, but I'm also a teacher. And so what does that mean? It means I like to kind of slow down a little bit, and I like us to have a nice steak dinner. Anybody like steak dinner in the house? Okay, and so what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to prepare a meal for you through God's word of a nice steak dinner over these two Sundays. And so today, you know, we're, we're going to jump into the steak. Y'all ready for this? Okay, so I'm going to take more of a teaching position. All that to say, I'm going to sit uh, just to kind of present a little bit differently today. But this series, really, it's all been about trying to introduce you to somebody that I've spent the last 28 years, almost 29 this June, getting to know. This series is all about trying to introduce you to the one who actually has the power to help you live in freedom every day of your life. Because the truth is, many of you, you love God, you love Jesus, uh, you, you, you want to make a difference with your life, you get out there and you're trying, you're trying hard, you're trying to do these things, but if you're honest, you're trying to do it in, in, a, in and of your own self and your own strength, and it's failing you. Why? Because you're, you're missing a very important ingredient of God in your life, and that is the Holy Spirit. See, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, many of us, two things happen. Either we, and I feel it already, there's this pushback, right? It's like, I don't know, like, you know, I've seen things, I've heard things. You've got these misperceptions or misconceptions. And what you've done is you're pushing back based on things that aren't even associated with what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. It's just things you've experienced in, in culture. So I tend to experience pushback, and I'm, I'm already kind of feeling that this morning. Uh, but number two, there's typically a group kind of, kind of new to this, and the, there's a lot of intrigue around, like, oh man, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Can you tell me more about that? And so there's God the Father. We kind of understand that because many of us have had earthly fathers, whether adopted fathers or, or you know, whatever that scenario may look like, we can kind of grasp the concept of God as a father. We can grasp the concept of, of God uh, that has a son, Jesus, right? We've seen the movies, right? And so, but this Holy Spirit, I'm not quite sure about the Holy Spirit. And so, what I am encouraging you to do today is to lay aside any preconceived ideas, any misconceptions, any bad experiences, things you've heard through the rumor mill of church or whatever. Uh, and I'm asking you, if you would, please give me a blank, pl- blank page to work with. Okay, because what I really want to do today is I want to walk through God's word, what God's word actually says 
about the Holy Spirit. Now, last week, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is, why he's important on the front end of the message, and we talked about how the Holy Spirit is not weird, the Holy Spirit is not crazy, the Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing, but write this down if you're taking notes as a reminder, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity. He's the third person of the Holy Trinity, and he's referred to as a person, and he's referred to as a him. And when you begin to see and relate to God in three persons or as a person, then you begin to relate to him personally. And that is extremely important. And so what I tried to do today is bring us back to just a basic scriptural reminder that God the Father is enthroned in heaven. He's in heaven, he controls all things, and it's amazing that it says, you know, everything is in the palm of his hands, which blows my mind. That's how ginormous, I know that may not be a real word, but that's how amazingly significant and sovereign and massive he is. It blows our human thinking, right? So the universe is in his hands. So God is enthroned in heaven, and then there's Jesus. He's the son of God. Now, he's fully God, but he also became fully man. And so what happened is God had relationship with man, but unfortunately, sin entered the world. Sin brought separation, and God did not want to be separated from you or from me. He loved us that much. And so he knew that something, there had to be a price to be paid for sin. And so instead of us paying the price, God himself thought, you know what? I will become man in myself, and I will come live among them. And so Jesus Christ, fully God, became fully man, came to earth, lived a sinless life, died a just sacrificial life for us, never sinned once. When he died, he rose again. And then after 40 days of hanging out on earth, he ascended, the Bible teaches us, he ascended back to the right hand of the Father. Which then leads me to believe, well, then if God's in heaven and Jesus is at the right hand of God in heaven, then where's God on the earth today? Through the Holy Spirit. In fact, what we learned last week is that Jesus said, it is better, guys, that I go to my Father, that I actually leave you. And the disciples were like, what are you talking about? How could it be better that the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords, would go back to heaven? And Jesus basically said, I know you won't understand it, but if I go back, I'm going to ask my Father, and my Father is going to send the promised one. We talked about the advocate, the one who's called alongside to help us. In other words, Jesus was saying, hey, guys, God's in heaven. I'm fully God, yet fully man now. I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father. I can't be in two places at once, but the Holy Spirit can. In fact, the New Testament writers couldn't come up with a good word for the Holy Spirit. Uh, so they, they were like the breath of God. And so the actual translation in the Bible is we get Holy Spirit to try to help us, you know, understand it better. But it actually means breath of God breath of God. So the breath of God is the living, active presence of God on the earth today, and it can be in every place at one time. And simply the Holy Spirit is giving us correction, direction, help, teaching us. He's doing all four things we talked about last week. He is my, just a reference, he's my holy inner voice, he's my helper, he's my guide, and he's my friend. These are the roles that the Holy Spirit plays, and we talked about these in detail last week. So that's kind of setting the stage. In other words, before every Every meeting that I ever go to, before every decision I ever make, the way the Holy Spirit plays out in my life is like, Holy Spirit, what do you think about this? How should I move in this direction? Should I make this decision? Should I make this business deal? Should I, should I sell this? Should I make this investment? Should, should we marry this person? Should I continue this relationship? Should I, you know, all the shoulds in the world that we face, right? And the Holy Spirit is designed to come along and, and to speak from God 
to you from heaven through Jesus in his Holy Spirit to you in an inner voice to help lead you. He helps teach us. He, he actually reminds us of things that are in God's word. You know, I kind of joked last week, I've been reading the Bible for almost 29 years and I've run it front to back, but I haven't memorized the whole Bible. That's because I have the Holy Spirit in my life. So when I read and I begin to live my life, as I'm living my life, the Holy Spirit will remind things to me from God's word. That is how the Holy Spirit operates. He guides me into all truth. Why? Because that's what friends do. The Holy Spirit wants to be your best friend. In fact, this is why Paul closes a letter to 2 Corinthians, or to the Corinthian church. We see this in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Look at this. And I love this. This is a blessing that articulates the beauty and the role of the Trinity. It says, the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Like, I love it. And by the way, this is my hope for you as a friend today. My hope is that you come to experience the extravagant love of God the Father. And many of you in this room, you've experienced that love. Some of you have yet to experience it. And we want to help you take that next step in knowing God. But we don't want to just be there. The only way that you can experience the love of God is through the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, his son. For God so loved the world. What did he do? That he gave. He gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We are saved by grace. We come into a relationship with God by grace, not based off work not based off religion, not based off what we can do, but simply a gift that we've received by faith in belief in Jesus. So I want everybody to experience that grace. But I don't want you to stop there. Just like Paul said, I also want you to come to know the most intimate part of God. I want you to experience the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say friendship. friendship. See, many of us, we love God. We love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. We love Jesus. We're all in. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we kind of just stop. We keep them at an arm's distance. And it's simply because of misconceptions and misperceptions. And we're missing out, according to God's word, on the most intimate part of God. And we're breaking God's heart. Scripture teaches us that we're actually grieving God. I want to remind us, I shared this last week. I'm going to share it again. Ephesians 4.30. Guys, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. And some of you are like, well, how in the world would I do that? Like, we break his heart by distancing ourselves from his Holy Spirit. For his Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you, his inner voice, the help, the guide, the teacher, the friend, is the most intimate part of your life. And it makes you fit for himself. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit that brings us closer and closer to Jesus. It makes us more and more like Christ and in all of his goodness, love, and all that he has for us. In fact, I love what he says. He says, guys, don't take such a gift for granted. Guys, the Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a gift from God to you, to me, for what? To help us live in freedom every day of our life. He's a gift, but you ready for this? He's not only a gift to us. What we're going to learn today is that the Holy Spirit actually comes bearing gifts. How many of y'all like Christmas? Come on, y'all. I know some of y'all are older, some of you don't, right? Everybody loves a good gift, okay? Guess what? Our Father knows that, and he wants to bear some good gifts in your life. Now, before I talk about the gifts he wants to bear, it's important. I recognize that there are people in this service that weren't in last service, and if you don't understand, I, I've got to kind of build a little bit of context, okay? So I'm going to revisit a thought, and that is I need to remind us that there is a difference between receiving the Holy Spirit in our lives and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I preached the whole message last week, and I'm not going to preach the whole message, but I'm going to give you kind of the Cliff Notes version, okay? The moment that you hear God's word and you believe God's word that it's truth is the moment you receive the Holy Spirit. Everybody say receive. Receive. You receive the Holy Spirit when you hear and believe. Look at Ephesians 4.30. And you also, that's you and me, we were included in Christ Jesus in our salvation relationship with God. When what? When we heard the message of truth, which is the good news of our salvation. This is Jesus. But look at the rest of the verse. Not only when you heard, but when you believe, look at the miracle that takes place. When you believe, you are marked in him. Who's him? Jesus. With what? With a seal. What is a seal? A certification of authenticity, identifying who you and I belong to. So when you not only hear, but when you believe, a miracle takes place in your life in that you are marked in Jesus with a seal, a certification, right, of who? The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit. He's a down payment of a promise that, my friends, there is more to come outside of just the life we're living on this earth. He's a deposit that's guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this. Guys, you and I can't even come to Christ. Like We can't even express that Jesus is Lord except by how? By the Holy Spirit. So all of this to say, the moment you come into a relationship with God, you receive the Holy Spirit in your life. But you ready for this? What we learned last week was there's more. There's more that God wants to do in your life. And we talked about three baptisms. There are three baptisms in every spiritual journey. There's a baptism into salvation in church. That's through Jesus. There's water baptism experience. And then there's the third baptism, which this series is all about. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So baptism simply means to be immersed in, to be fully submerged in something. And so God wants you to be fully submerged into the third person of the Holy Spirit. And just to remind us, after Christ died, rose again, after he paid for sin, he's hanging out for 40 days on this planet. He's hanging out. He's showing himself to his disciples and to others. Look, look, look at my hands. Look at my sides. Okay. And we see an account of this. There's several accounts of this. We looked at John. We looked at Luke. We looked at Acts. And if you missed last Sunday, go back and listen. But I'm going to remind us of this account. Acts 1, 3 through 5. After Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Hey guys, look at my hands, look at my side, right? He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Everybody say gift. Holy Spirit is a gift. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days... Jesus is saying, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, time out. I don't have time to read it again, but in John 20, we see the same story, a different account, but in that same story and in that account in the book of John, we see Jesus, same story, breathe on them and Jesus himself says, receive the Holy Spirit. So in the same story in John, Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit at that point of salvation. But then in that same story, which we're reading a different account of in Acts, Jesus also said, okay, now I know you received the Holy Spirit, but there's more. I want you to go and I want you to wait. And I want you to receive what God has promised. And notice the future tense, in a few days, in a few days, you will be fully immersed into all that God has for you through the living, active presence of God that's coming to the planet, which is the Holy Spirit. And by the way, that's exactly what happened. Now, normally I would kind of paraphrase 
Acts chapter 2 for you and just kind of tell you what it is and keep moving. But I actually want to read it today. Look at what happens next. So it says, when the day of Pentecost came, time out. Some of you are already freaking out. You're like, oh, great. We're a Pentecostal church. Here we go. (laughs) Can I just clarify what the word Pentecost means? You ready for this? I'm going to blow your mind. It means 50. When the day of 50 came around, so you're like, okay, why, why is there a specific name for, for 50? Well, there is a Jewish holiday that was celebrated 50 days after Passover. Yes. <laughs> and that Jewish holiday was called Pentecost, okay? Guess what today is? Pentecost. Today is Pentecost. That's right. Today marks 50 days from the last Jewish holiday, which was Passover, which I really wish I could go into this and teach this. I taught, we did a whole series two years ago in 2020 called The Holy Spirit, and I actually broke down like the definition of Pentecost and all the biblical meanings and the beauty behind all of it. If you want to know more about Pentecost and all the beauty that surrounds it, it's amazing. Go back and listen to it. 2020, The Holy Spirit series, it's on our website. So when the day of Pentecost came, day of 50, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, there was this holiday, right? They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be, uh uh-oh, tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled. They were baptized. They were fully immersed with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because, notice this detail, each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these speaking Galileans? Like, these are Galileans. They can't speak our language. How is it that each of us hear these Galileans in our own language? Like, what's going on? And then I love the description here. He tells about all these different ethnicities and races and cultures that were there. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, uh, Phrygia, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, like there's this whole demographic of nationalities from around the world who are hearing them. And notice what they say. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. That's what this tongue means, in our own native language, in our own language. And they say amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, I mean, what does this mean? Some, however, (laughs) oh man, they're just drunk. Like they made fun of him, it says. And by the way, anything you don't understand, you will always hold off at an arm's distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're just the crazy folk. If you don't understand it, well, just mark them off. They're crazy, all right? No, no, they've had too much to drink. They made fun of him. But then Peter, one of the 12 disciples, stood up with the 11. He raised his voice. He addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain something to you. That, that's the Southern way of saying, let me explain something to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you think they are. My guys, it's only nine in the morning. Come on. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel some 787 years before this moment. 
the prophet Joel wrote about what they're experiencing in this moment, 787 years before it. In the last days, by the way, that's the day we're living in. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Everybody say all. That's you and me, all people, your sons and daughters. Hey, fellas, notice that it's not just to men, it's to women. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even all my servants, clarifies it again, both men and women, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what we see going on from the rest of this verse, if you read it, Peter goes on to preach one of the most dynamic messages that were ever preached by Peter. 3,000 people end up giving their life to Jesus, getting water baptized and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first church of Jesus Christ, that's what the fruit of who we are today, was born. Acts is a record of the first church and we're seeing what happened when the church was established. Now, let me remind you, Peter wasn't just some guy that could naturally stand up and speak to thousands of people with this kind of boldness. It wasn't a few days earlier before where Peter denied Christ three times, even to a little girl, said, hey, I don't know the man. Peter also went back to fishing because he was so hopeless after Jesus died. He was in no condition or had any kind of power, any kind of oomph or boldness to stand before people to preach this way. In moments before he even met, saw Jesus risen, he was locked in a room afraid of the Jewish leaders. So what happened? Something powerful happened inside Peter that day. What was it? He experienced the baptism. He tried living life in his own before, but something miraculous happened in his life. And at that moment, something changed. He had a boldness like he never had before to do what? To live out the calling of God in his life, to make a difference with his life. And so after this amazing message, 3,000 people get saved, 3,000 people are baptized and you can feel the Holy Spirit. The church is growing. It's an amazing experience. Acts chapter 2, 38 through 39, actually before that moment, the crowd was saying, what do we have to do, Peter? What do we have to do to get saved? We want in on this. If Jesus died, rose again, and he's the son of God, we want that. Peter says, repent, change your direction, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Why? Because if you turn from God, from your sins, and allow Jesus to forgive you, you will, what you will, what you will receive the gift. Everybody say gift. Gift of the Holy Spirit. Why, come on, Rhett, this is just for the disciples, I thought. No, read the rest of the verse. This promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit, this baptism is for you, your children, and for all who are far off. For generations and generations and generations to come. For all whom the Lord our God will call. All that to say, God wants every single one of us to experience the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit in his baptism. He wants us to experience the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he wants you and I to be able to live in freedom every day. He wants us to be able to be the husbands that he's called us to be, for the wives to be the wives that he's called you to be, kids to grow up to be the kid. Like You see, to be able to live this thing out. So the Holy Spirit is the gift of God. He's our holy inner voice. He's our teacher. He's our helper. He's our guide. He's our friend. He's a gift of God, but he also comes bearing gifts, which we just saw a little bit of demonstration of one of them. And I just want to set the stage, James 1.17, and remind us all that every good and perfect gift, James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above. This includes the Holy Spirit coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like to shifting shadows. Now, let's be honest. This is where many of us get tripped up. Many of us are tripped up over the gifts, and there's a lot of confusion. And 
Where there's clarity, there's kindness. And I want to be clear with you today, show you from God's word. 1 Corinthians 12.1. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, One Life Church, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be void of understanding. I want you to see from God's word what God has in store for you. Verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts. There's more than just one. But the same Spirit, the pneuma, the Holy Spirit word here, distributes them. It's the Holy Spirit that distributes from the Father through the Son to us today these gifts that he wants to bear to us. Verse 11, all these gifts, it's beautiful, all these gifts are the work of one and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and again, God, the Spirit of God, distributes them to each one. Notice, just as he determines. Don't miss that. God distributes the gifts to you and to me as he determines. It's not based on us, it's based on him. Now, for all you extra note takers, I wish I had time to read Romans 12. I wish I had time to read 1 Corinthians 12. I wish I had time to read Ephesians 4. And I wish I had time to read all of 1 Corinthians 14. So I want you to write those four scriptures down for you to take a deeper dive study. Write those down in your notes. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, okay? Ephesians 4, and 1 Corinthians 14. In Romans 12, you're going to see a lot of different gifts. You'll see prophesying, the gifts of serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, gifts of mercy. That's Romans 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, you're going to see gifts of wisdom, gifts of knowledge, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues. That's 1 Corinthians 12. In Ephesians 4, in that chapter, you're going to see about the gifts that were given to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And then the beauty in 1 Corinthians 14, you're going to see how all these gifts are supposed to operate in order through the local church for the edification of the body of the church. In fact, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14 that God is a God of order, not disorder. So all these gifts come for a reason, for not just your edification, for the edification of the body, but there's always an order to what God does because he's an orderly God. So there's many gifts, but I really want to talk to you about nine today. There are nine specific gifts we see mentioned consistently in the New Testament, okay? Now, they're broken down into three sections. I did not do this. Smarter people, theologians, people that have gone before me have helped with this, okay? But there are discerning gifts, They're discerning gifts. So write that down if you're taking notes. Discerning gifts, this is group one. Now, many of us don't have any problem with these three. Oh, where's the knowledge, wisdom? Yeah, discernment. Yeah, like I bring that on, please. I want some of that, right? But this words of knowledge isn't just like knowing something. It's to know something specific without having learned it. Like there's no, nobody taught you. You didn't go to a school. You didn't hear say like, it's a moment where the Holy Spirit breathes in you and you have the knowledge. You have no idea how you know it. You just know, guys, I know if we do this, this is what's going to happen because God just, it, it just impressed upon my heart and I feel like this is exactly from heaven what we're supposed to do. It's like that kind of knowledge, right? But then there's wisdom, kind of the same thing, it's, but it's a divine answer to a solution. So like maybe you're a business owner, like I have no idea how or what we should do for this product to this, whatever it might be. But as a business owner who is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you're hearing from heaven on what the situation that is in front of you. And God, by his spirit, can breathe his wisdom. Oh, whoa, I didn't see it before, but now I see the solution to this. Praise be to God. This is how this works. Discerning of spirits. This is to be made aware of demonic spirits. Some of you are like, ooh, wait, 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 wait. You're crossing the line now. Now you're talking about demons. Yeah. Listen, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, everybody. There, the Bible teaches us that what we wrestle against are principalities, things in the spirit realm that we cannot see. 
There, are, there is a demonic presence. Now, we don't have to live in fear because greater is he that lives within us and he that's in the world. We just mention the name of Jesus and every, knee, every demon has to bow, every knee, demon has to flee, okay? But there is a discerning of spirits that God wants to give you to warn you to keep you, your family, and others away from danger. This is important. And this happens... Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, receiving his good gifts, just as he determines, some of you will begin to experience these things as you begin to live out your life in the fulfillment of all that God has for you through the Holy Spirit. So these are discerning gifts. Let's look at dynamic gifts. Dynamic gifts, okay? So there's faith, there's healing, and miracles. Again, all three that were like, yes, bring it on. Like, I would love to experience some of this. Faith. This isn't like faith, like, oh, I believe in Jesus, I have faith. No, this is a supernatural empowerment of faith, of belief and confidence to see a specific situation change. It's like, guys, I know all hell seems to be against us, but I'm telling you by the Holy Spirit in my life that God said, we're gonna get through this. I have the faith. Come on, let's trust God together and see this thing happen. This kind of faith. There's healing. This is the supernatural empowerment of divine health. There are some people who can lay their hands on the sick and it's not them that heals them. It's the power of the Holy Spirit living, breathing in and through them, through that contact and they begin to be healed. I shared with our team this morning, I've got a missionary friend that have seen babies come back to life, that have seen limbs grow back. We don't see a lot of that happening in our culture today, do we? But in Mexico, in the back hills, when somebody has heard of Jesus as being a healer, they bring to them their dead baby and say, all right, if your God's real in their own language, can you do something? And my friend's like, I can't, but God can. In the name of Jesus, rise and the baby, take its breath again. To God be the, come on guys, that's a great place to say amen, you guys. This is happening. This is happening in their gifts that are real. They're living. It's not weird. It's holy. And God wants to impart this into you to edify not just you, but the body of Christ and to make a difference in this world. Okay? And there are miracles. It's the divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. So healing, miracles, faith. And here's the third section. And this is where a lot of us get tripped up. Third section is the declaration gifts. The declaration gifts. And if you're taking notes today, you could write in an asterisk off to the side, encouragement. The declaration gifts are gifts of encouragement, okay? Now, there's prophecy, there's tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, notice that I said they're all gifts of encouragement. They're there to edify, okay? So let's talk about prophecy for a moment. Prophecy, this is basically a message of encouragement from God through a person to somebody else. Did you get that? Prophecy is a message from God through a person like if I had a, I'm, I don't have the gift of prophecy, but if I did, it would sound something like where God speaks to me and then I begin to speak life over you and into your situation on something I really didn't even know was happening or going to happen, but I'm speaking in that and that encouragement and you're being encouraged from it. Prophecy is not, hey, you're going to hell. You better turn or burn, get right or get left. That is not prophecy. Okay. All right. Okay. It's prophecy. Now Tongues. Oh my goodness, I can't believe we're talking about tongues. It's in the Bible, y'all. We have to talk about it. Tongues, what is it? It's a message from God in a language unknown to the person in whom the message is coming through. That's all it is. It's a message from God in a language. You're having this language, this communication between you and God in a language you don't understand that you have never learned, but that God just somehow supernaturally allows you to be able to speak. Now, Tongues, according to scripture, I'm going to show it to you today. This might be some new teaching for some of you in this room if you've grown up with us. You may have never heard this before, but it's in the Bible and I'm going to show it to you, okay? 
When it comes to tongues, there is what we call the grace of tongues. Everybody say grace. Grace. And then there's the gift of tongues. Everybody say gift. So there's the grace of tongues, and then there's the gift of tongues. Now, they sound the same. They sound similar, but they're completely different. Okay. The grace of tongues is something you receive as a believer that I want to show you in Scripture today. Okay. That is a heavenly prayer language. Now, you don't understand it. Nobody taught it to you, but your spirit's praying it, and it's between you and God. The tongues and the grace of tongues in your life as a believer that I'm going to show you today is for everybody. That's between you and God. Nobody else. It's for the edification of your soul, your spirit, your life. You and God. But then the gift of tongues is kind of the same. Sounds the same. It's this heavenly language. That, that isn't taught, isn't learned, but somebody, you know, just begins to speak it. But when that message comes, it's to another person or it's to the body of Christ. And when that message of tongues comes and that's shared with that person or the body of Christ, the scripture tells us there has to be an interpretation of it. Why? Because the gift of tongues isn't for the edification of you. The gift of tongues is for the edification of the body. So there always has to be, according to scripture, an interpretation in a service in a body like this. Why? Because of divine order. Okay? And so, again, they sound the same. They're different. Grace of tongues for everybody, heavenly language between you and God. Gift of tongues is the same heavenly language, but in that gift, you're using it to edify others, and there's always an interpretation. And then that's where the gift of interpretation comes in. Okay? There are people who actually have the gift of being able to interpret the message of tongues. It's the understanding and it's the expressing the thought or the intent of that message that just came to the body or to the individual. Now, by the way, every interpretation of tongues must, hear me, must line up with God's word. If it doesn't line up with God's word, I don't care how cool, how kind, how energetic, how enthusiastic they are. If it doesn't line up with God's word, my friend, it did not come from heaven. It is not. Everything will align to scripture in an interpretation. So I know it just unloaded a lot on us. Okay. So let me just ask you a simple question. Who is the author of the Bible? And yeah, God, it's not a trick question. God. Now it was penned by man, but it was inspired through the Holy Spirit. So men held the pen, basically, okay? But it was inspired by God. And in fact, it's not on the screen, but 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed. Like all Scripture, although written by man, is God-breathed. In other words, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So if that's the case, then Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this down in 1 Corinthians 14.5. He said, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. What's he saying? He's simply saying, guys, every one of you have access to this grace gift of heavenly language. Like, I want every single one of you to speak in it. Like, you have the ability, you have the grace to do it, you've received the Spirit, you've been baptized, you have the grace for it. But, this is where most pastors stop, <laughs> but I would rather have you prophesy. Did you see that? I'd rather have you prophesy. Like, tongues is great, but I'd rather have you prophesy. For the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Unless, unless what? Unless someone has the gift who can interpret it. Why? So that the church may be edified. You notice what these gifts are for? They're for the edification of the body of Christ. All gifts that God gives, every single one of them are for the edification of the body of Christ. But the grace gift of tongues, 
the one that is open and available between you and your relationship with God, well, that's for you. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue, look at what they do. They edify themselves. So when you're speaking in this heavenly language that God will gift you with, and it's beautiful between you and God, it's edify you. It's something very special and intimate between you and your relationship with God. And so as your pastor and as your friend today, I want you to know that I have received 28 years, almost 29 years ago this June, I received the grace gift of tongues. When I was 16 years old, it's part of my testimony. Gave my heart to Christ, wanted everything. Pastor taught me basically the same message I'm teaching you. I said, God, I want everything you have for me. And I received the grace gift of tongues. And can I tell you, it wasn't some out-of-body experience. It wasn't weird. It wasn't crazy. It was holy. It was beautiful. It was just like this beautiful, just waves of electricity. For me, everybody experiences it differently. But like for me, it was like liquid, liquid love. It's beautiful. Now, you ready for this? I've received the grace of speaking in tongues, but I don't have the gift. I don't have the gift of interpretation. So guess what I'm never going to do? I'm never going to stand up here, deliver a message in tongues because I don't have the gift to interpret it. Some of you in this room, you might have that gift. You might have the ability to interpret it, but I don't. Like, I've not received that. So, well, what do I do? Because what, what should I do then? Well, 1 Corinthians 14, 13 through 15. Anyone who speaks in tongues, that'd be me, grace gift, all of us, they should pray in tongues. Like, don't stop praying. You, you do that. Uh, you should pray also for the ability also pray for the gift to be able to interpret what has been said. So I pray for the gift. God, I thank you for the grace that you've given me for 28 years. I've not received the gift of interpretation, but I'm still believing for it. And I'm asking you for it every day of my life. I want to, I want to, I want to know because I, I, it is edifying for me, but Lord, it'd be so cool to be able to, to edify others with a message from heaven. So for if I pray in tongues, what does he say? My spirits pray. It's this heavenly language. It's between you and God. When you're praying in the spirit, when you're praying in tongues, your spirit's praying, but you don't understand what you're saying. That's why, that's why you know, Christians will call it a heavenly language because it's like, it's not earthly. We don't understand it, okay? Well then, what should I do? Scripture says, well, I will pray in the spirit. Like I'll continue to speak in my grace gift, but I'm also going to, what? Pray in my understanding. I'm gonna pray in the spirit, but I'm gonna pray in the understanding. So I have this ability, I have this beautiful relationship with God to speak in a heavenly language that's between him and I, and it's beautiful, but I'm also gonna keep praying in English, right? So I can help people, help my brothers, help my sisters, okay? This is the beauty and the organization of how this thing should be played out. And so some of you are thinking, well, I mean, come on, Jesus never talked about this. Really? Did he not? You sure about that? Look at Mark 16, 17 through 18. Jesus said, and these signs will follow those who believe. Who are those who believe? That's you and I, Christians, those who have faith. In my name, they will cast out demons. In my name, they will speak with, what? New tongues. Jesus Christ, the son of God, in whom we put our faith and trust and belief in, said this, you'll speak in new tongues. How? Through the Holy Spirit, in his baptism. We see that unfolding in the New Testament, in the Acts. They will take up serpents. We ain't doing that around here, y'all. I'm just saying, okay? Um, we ain't gonna test God with some of this, all right? Uh, if anything hands me some poison, I didn't know it. I'm gonna drink it. I'm gonna be okay, but we're not gonna test God, all right? It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. We'll do that, and they will recover. Amen. All this to say, tongues is a gift of God that he wants all of us to have, 
okay? Now I'm gonna mess with some of your theology for a second, but please don't get up and leave, and, all right? Hang with me because I'm gonna, I'm gonna package something in a fresh way that God's word speaks, all right? The evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, they are not the gifts you receive. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life are not the gifts of the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the discerning of spirits. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is not faith, it's not miracles, it's not healing. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is not prophecy, it's not tongues, it's not interpretation of tongues. All of the gifts are benefits. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not the evidence They are the benefits of the Holy Spirit. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, in my life, is the fruit you and I bear. Apple tree produces what, everybody? How do you know that? How do you know it's an apple tree when you look at it? The apple. A pear tree produces what, everybody? Right. A tree bears its fruit. Its fruit is what tells you what kind of tree it is. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life are not the gifts, okay? The evidence is the fruit that you bear. The evidence is how you and I live our lives. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, not one gift is listed The evidence of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is what? (laughs) It's love. It's joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is alive. Y'all, I know some mean Christians who can speak in tongues. I know some mean Christians who can prophesy. They have the benefit of a gift, but that gift will never go away. It's a gift, but the evidence, my friends, is in this. If you really have the Holy Spirit in your life, the proof is in the fruit. It's in the fruit. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13, as I begin to land this plane. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, man, I'm just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm just a bunch of noise, a bunch of racket. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge with my gift, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give with the gift of giving all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. What's he saying? The proof is in the fruit. The proof of the Holy Spirit is in how we love God and love people and make a difference with our life. For love is patient. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is patience. It's kindness. It's not envying. It's not boasting. It's not proud. It's not dishonoring others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That sounds like social media right there wrapped up in a package, doesn't it? (laughs) Love does not delight in evil. It rejoices with the truth. It always protects. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? You know, always protect, always trust, always hope, always perseveres. Love never fails. But 
whether it's the benefits that you need on this side of heaven or there's prophecies, all those are going to go away. Where there are tongues, they're going to be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it's going to pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. What is he saying? On this side of heaven, we need these benefits in our life. Like on this side, we need this. Like we know in part we need this, but when completeness comes, in other words, when Jesus Christ in all his glory comes to in his second coming to rescue us and to take us to heaven with the marriage supper of the lamb, right? When completeness comes, (laughs) all this stuff about benefits, that's all gonna disappear, man. So when I was a child, I thought like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, this side of heaven, I only see a reflection as in a mirror. But there's coming a day, my friends, where I'm going to see face to face. I'm going to see face to face. Now I know in part, this, I just know in part, I need these benefits, this side of heaven. But then when I see Jesus face to face in all his glory, I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. What a beautiful verse. My friends, you may feel forgotten, but you're not. You're known by the God who created the heavens and the earth and the universe. You are fully known. And so now, these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest, it's not a gift. The greatest is the evidence, the fruit of somebody who's living a life with the Holy Spirit is love. The greatest is love. Love is only empowered through the Holy Spirit, everyone. Many of us have difficulty loving others and we've just not allowed the Holy Spirit to baptize us, to immerse us, and to allow him the opportunity to love us and to love in us so that he can love through us. Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you. How? How is God working in you? Through the Holy Spirit. And what does he do? He gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He gives, you the, he gives you the desire and the ability to live out the Bible. It seems so difficult. He gives you the desire and the ability to love God, to love people, and to make a difference in your life and your family. He gives you the power. He empowers you. So when you need help, what does he do? He comes alongside to help you. When you need guidance, what does he do? He comes alongside to guide you. When you need counsel, what does he do? He comes alongside to give you counsel. When you're lacking, what does he do? He provides. When you're weak, he makes you strong. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the pneuma of God, the living active presence of God in the earth today in and through you, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid. But it gives us what? Power. Everybody say power. He gives us power. Love and self-discipline. He gives us the ability to live it out. This is good preaching. Thank you, Pastor Rhett. This is God's word, everybody. Jesus said this, Acts 1-8, you will receive power. Jesus. Not maybe, not might. No, you will receive power. When? When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you can do what? Receive power to do what? To make a difference with your life. Witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. You'll receive the power of his holy inner voice. You'll receive the power of a helper who comes alongside you. You'll receive the power of somebody who can guide you. You'll receive the power of an intimate friend who will never leave you. But you'll also receive the benefits of his gifts. We can't leave that out. 
and you'll receive these benefits, not as you determine, not as I determine, but as he determines and he gives them away to you. So Pastor Ed, I want to experience this. I want to experience the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. I want to receive all that he has. Like, what's next? What do I need to do? Like, I want my life to be filled with the proof of the fruit of love, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. I want that, but I also want to receive the benefits so that I won't only edify myself, but that I can edify others. What's next? I'm going to give you the same thing I gave you last week, everybody. Ask God to baptize you. Be fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receive his gifts. How? By faith. When you gave your heart to Christ, you did it. How? By faith. You just simply, I believe. And you, all you did is you just received something by grace. When you took the next step of water baptism, you took that step, what? In faith. You didn't have to do anything for it. You just took the step and you're obedient. Same way you receive the Holy Spirit. You've already received him. Same way you are baptized into this full immersion experience that I've tried to do my best by his grace to, to try to explain to you today that God wants to operate in your life. You receive it by faith. Why? Same verse I'll close with, 2 Corinthians three seventeen. This is what it's all about. And this is what I want for you and your family. 2 Corinthians, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you want freedom in your soul, if you want freedom in the deepest depths of depression, if you want freedom in your mind, your will, and your emotions, if you want to experience freedom in your relationships, then ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit by faith and receive by faith all that he has for you, including his benefits. I want to pray for you all across this room. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Some of you are in this room today and you're really intrigued by everything that I shared with you today from God's word. And, but if you were honest, you would say, you know, I'm not necessarily sure I even have a relationship with God. And I want you to know that's where it all starts, my friend. God wants to set you free from your sin. He wants to remove the barrier of sin in your life and you can't do anything for it. It's already been done through God's son, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins, to bring you into a relationship with him. He died an innocent death, so you didn't have to. He rose again, conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he ascended, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he sent his Holy Spirit to welcome you today into his family and to draw you to him today. And so if you're in this room and you wanna place your faith in Christ Jesus as the son of God, the word teaches us that if you'll just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved. It's so it's not about a prayer, but it is about a heart. And I just want to help you with the words today. If you want to receive salvation today, could I encourage you to pray this? And family, we're, we pray together, okay? So family, let's, let's pray this out loud with our family and friends. Just say, God, thank you for Jesus. I believe Jesus is the son of God. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Come live on the inside of me. I receive your Holy Spirit to help me from this day forward live out my life for your glory. Jesus, thank you for giving me your life. 
Today, I give you mine. In Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, congratulations if you said that. You've come into faith. Many of you in this room, maybe that was the first time for you to say the prayer. For some of you, you've said that prayer. You've been walking with God for a long time. But there are some of you in this room today, you even heard the message last week of being baptized. And maybe you said the prayer, but maybe you didn't mean it. But maybe today you've had a little bit more understanding. And you're like, you know what? Today's the day. I'm going all in. I don't want to just receive the Holy Spirit. I want all that he has for me, including the benefits for my edification, but the benefits for my family, for my friends, and for my church. For my and if you're here today and you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, nothing weird or crazy is going to happen, okay, you guys? God loves you. You're his son and you're his daughter. But he simply wants to do a miracle of transformation on the inside of your heart today. And it happens when you give him permission. So I want to encourage everybody in this room, if you want to, no pressure, you don't have to do this, but if you want to, could you just maybe put your hands out, maybe in just a receiving position? And I want to lead you in a prayer. And I would just encourage you to say this. And again, it's not about the words, but it is about a heart. But say something like this. Just say, Heavenly Father, I'm a believer. I am your child. And you are my father. Jesus is my Lord. And I believe with all my heart that your word is true. Your word says that if I will ask, I will receive. So in the name of Jesus, my Lord, I'm asking you to fill me. I'm asking you to baptize me. I'm asking you to immerse me to overflowing with the power of your Holy Spirit. Because of your word, I believe and I fully expect to receive all that you have for me. And I thank you for it. I believe the Holy Spirit is with me. And by faith, I accept him and receive him. Now, Holy Spirit, I release your good gifts in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just simply receive it, you guys. Just simply receive it. Receive the pneuma of God. Receive the breath of God. Receive the overflowing power of his baptism working from your head to your feet, in your soul, and in your spirit. And allow his goodness, his kindness, and his love just to permeate every part of you by the breath of God, his Holy Spirit today. Holy Spirit, we love you. You are so amazing. We thank you that you're a friend that will never fail us. You're a God who will always guide us, give us counsel, teach us, and help us in every way. We love you. We're so thankful for what you've done in our hearts and our lives. We give you praise for today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Can we throw our hands together today and celebrate all that God has done? Amen. Amen.